you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Do you enjoy being in God's presence? Yeah, one of my favorite things is worship. Welcome to Life in the Sun. If you're visiting for the very first time, uh, we're glad that you're here. And uh, we trust that you will experience God as we turn our attention toward him in worship and in the fellowship and in the word. Uh, we pray that you sense his presence and, um, and that you understand and experience his goodness. Yes. Well, last Sunday was different for those of you who were here. Uh, we took some time to do business with God. For some people, it was a turning point. Uh, for others, it was very life-giving. Um, for some, maybe it was a little hard to relate to what God was doing and what some people were experiencing. And that's okay, too. We're all at different points in the journey. For me, it was a very good day. I was very encouraged to see how God was at work in many people's lives. And we, the idea was to take some time just to make sure that we're right with God, that we're in a good place spiritually, uh, to be uh, a blessing to other people, for other people to be able to sense um, God's presence and God's goodness. You know, as we, as we talk, as we respond, as, as we worship, that, that we would be like a tool in his hand. For myself, uh, I felt a little unfinished last Sunday. I was preoccupied with being up front and facilitating that I, f- I didn't have a chance to take care of my own stuff. And so on Sunday morning, I found myself doing some evaluation. And it was a tough day to do that because for some reason, uh, that Monday morning, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I was in a bad mood, and I just woke up with an attitude, and um, it, every little thing was bothering me. Odors in the house, it smelled like cooking from the night before, and so I opened the window, and just being in the process of waking up, I was kind of in a bad mood. And uh, Terry and I, usually on Mondays, uh, we like to go to the beach on my day off, and so we're getting ready to go for an early morning to the beach on our way out the door, and she says, hey, why don't we close up the window so when Nicole wakes up and she has to go to work, she won't have to do that. And in my bad attitude, I said, yeah, life is rough sometimes, kind of sarcastic. And she was wise. She didn't say anything. She was just quiet. And so we get to the beach, and I'm still just kind of generally irritated, and we're putting out our beach chairs on the sand. And I open up my chair and notice that there is a wet towel from the previous trip that somebody left in the chair that doesn't smell very fresh. And I'm just like, man, that's it. I'm just upset. And I was putting the chair down and all of a sudden my back went out. I was like, oh, oh, shoot. And Terry goes, what's wrong? I go, I think my back went out. She goes, how do you know? I go, how do I know? Pain, that's how I know. (laughs) And I was, oh, man. How many of you know God can use anything to get your attention? And all of a sudden, in that moment, I became aware of what a bad attitude I had all morning long. And God just convicted me of being judgmental. And so I began to do business with God and to have a change of heart. Put ice on 
my tailbone all day long. Next morning I woke up, it was gone completely. I'd been good all week long. But God doesn't necessarily cause difficulties like that, but he can use them to get our attention and make us evaluate. Today, I want to share one thing that will help all of us do life better. Today, we're continuing our series called Word View. In this series, we are adopting a new word. Word view is a play on words. We're going to, in this series, coin a new phrase. Word view is another way of saying a biblical world view. Your worldview is about how you think. Your worldview is your paradigm. It's your frame of reference. It's the grid through which you perceive reality. It's uh, the filter through which you interpret everything around you. And your worldview can influence how you perceive your circumstances, how you perceive people around you, and how you respond. Your worldview is very important. If your worldview is that life is generally good, then you're more likely to give thanks to God. You're likely to live in the attitude of joy. And it's likely that you desire to live a long, healthy, full life. But if your frame of reference, if your worldview is that life is generally bad, then you can be upset with God. You can be angry inside. You can say to yourself, you know what? I wish I wasn't here. Our worldview is very important. Sometimes it's just a little, I don't know, sometimes life feels like a mystery. You ever felt that way? I'm having a hard time putting my finger on figuring out how this thing works. Steve Merle, he tweeted this quote, which was, If you're not confused, you're not paying attention. And then somebody tweeted back and said, well, glad to know that I'm paying attention. (laughs) Your worldview, it's like a code. If you have the correct code, if you have the correct worldview, then your perceptions begin to match up with reality. But if you have the wrong code, if you have the wrong worldview, then life is very frustrating. Because the way you think things are supposed to go is not the way things are happening. And it's like, what is wrong? Today, I'll share one thing to help us develop a word view. A biblical world view. A world view consistent with the way God designed life. Let's pray. Our Father... Lord, we acknowledge, we declare that you are here. Not just here, but not just with us, but also for us. Because of the favor that you announced when your son arrived. Because of the favor that you have revealed throughout many, many, many places in your word. And Lord, thankfully, times when you've just kind of made that real to us. And so, God, I ask that because of your grace, that you would allow us to enter into greater truth, 
truth that sets free, truth that allows us to be in sync with you and the world and our lives which you created. So God, I ask that throughout this series you would take your word and you would use it to renew our minds and to renew our hearts and to renew our lives and allow us to be one with you and with each other. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from John chapter 1. We'll begin with verse 1. Go ahead and read that together. This is written by the Apostle John. He said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And then if we skip down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. We'll stop there. What I'd like us to do is to focus on the very first four words of this passage. If we can go to the next slide, it says, In the beginning was. Just think about that for a moment. In the beginning was. And these may well be one of the most significant four words in all of the Bible. In the very beginning was. Was what? The Word. And what was the Word? The Word was God. And it goes on to explain in verse 14 as you scroll down, the Word, meaning God, became flesh, became a human being, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Those first four words, in the beginning, was, point out a very important aspect of God. Before anything existed, he already was. God was before everything. The theological term for this is the preeminence of God. He is before all. He is above all. He is first of all. God is first. This is, in fact, one of the the attributes of being God. Because unless he was first, then something else was first. And if he wasn't first, then something made him, and so then he's not the creator. Something else is the creator. By definition, in order to be the creator, you must have always existed. He has an eternal past. And it's one thing for us to say, yeah, God is eternal. We believe that. But it's another thing to say, Jesus Christ is eternal. And Jesus Christ never had a beginning. In the beginning was. And the word was God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The word of God is preeminent, before all things, above all things, and first. The word of God is the source and the cause of all life. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Here's the point. Here's the one thing you need to develop a word view, a biblical worldview. You have to know this. 
God's word is the foundation of life. On New Year's Eve, I was over at my brother-in-law's house. They invited us over, and we were having dinner, and uh, while dinner was cooking, I was playing darts with my two nephews. One is seven years old, the other is nine years old. And uh, the nine-year-old man, he's really good, just bullseye. So we're playing this game, and they're having fun competing with Uncle Mark. And in the middle of the game, the older one, he takes his Bible and he moves it from one dresser to another. And I noticed as he moved it that the cover on the Bible was just really worn out. And apparently he was a little conscious about it. And as he moved his Bible, he just kind of said in passing, oh, I need to get a new cover for my Bible. And so I said, well, that's good. I said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And the younger one who was seven years old, I could see the look on his face. He was like, what? And he was thinking hard, like, what does that mean? A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And so he said, isn't what? And I said, isn't falling apart. And I could, I could still see in his eyes, he's looking confused, like, what do you mean, falling apart? Then I realized he's only seven years old. He doesn't understand old age. And so his older brother chimes in and he goes, you know... Like old people. (laughs) Like Papa. (laughs) In English, we only have one word for this word that we call word. But in God's kingdom, there are actually three concepts associated with this word that we call word. The very first one is called logos. It means the written word, often referring to the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the apostle said, Apostle Paul said, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us, it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. If I was to take a survey of just 10 random people, anybody on Guam, and I ask them three questions, three simple questions. What is the nature of God? Meaning, is God generally good or not? And what is the nature of man? Is is man basically good or basically evil? And if I ask them the third question, what is the relationship between the two? In other words, how do they have a relationship? If I ask 10 people those three questions, I guarantee they will have different answers. The Bible was written over a span of 1,600 years. The revelation was recorded by 40 different people who came from three different continents, who spoke three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. They came from different walks of life. Some were nobility, some were poor. Some were fishermen, some were statesmen. They they wrote from different places in life. Sometimes they wrote from the depths of despair and depression, and others wrote from they wrote from the heights of being on mountaintops. And yet, with all of those differences, the Bible, amazingly, the Bible is consistent about the nature of God, the nature of man, and the relationship between the two. You consider all of those differences compared to. Just doing a survey here on Guam with 10 people, 
There's no way that you could explain that consistency unless there is one author who is superintending over human partners to be able to develop what we call today the Bible. All Scripture is inspired by God. That's one word, logos. The second one that we find in the Bible is Jesus himself. He is the living word. We just read earlier, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Jesus is the living word. Now, there are two things about God that we need to keep in mind when we think about him being the foundation of life. There are two things about God. Number one, he's everywhere. He's universal. He is relevant in everything from atomic structure to uh, every heartbeat that you have and the number of days that you live. So that's one. He's universal. The other thing is he never changes. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So when he created the universe, he built into the fabric of reality those two characteristics. The world around us operates by physical law. And those physical laws never change. They're constant. The other thing is they're universal, meaning they apply to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a scientist or not, whether you understand physics or not. Physical laws apply to everybody. And so, when God created the universe, he didn't create one set of laws for the physical world and another set of laws for relationships. He created the same the same two characteristics for both. And that's very important when it comes to the Bible because a lot of people are unaware of that and they don't know that the Bible applies to everybody and that it never and the, and and these rules for relationships never change. So for example, the 10 commandments We know that the first four have to do with your relationship with God. The second six have to do with your relationship with people. There are some people who unknowingly think, well, you know, the Bible, that's kind of like an old code of ethics for an ancient group of people who lived long ago. It doesn't really apply to us today. I mean, we're a new generation. We have developed a new morality, and we have new values, and we can create our own reality. And so we just define life the way we want to. That's the spirit of relativism that we live in today. But to have that worldview is very dangerous. Because, if you, for example, if you, if you ignored physical law and you decided, well, today I decide I'm not going to believe in gravity. I'm going to create my own reality. And I think I can just walk off the top of this roof and it's all going to be okay. It really doesn't matter what you believe. We all know what's going to happen. You're going to get hurt. Well, many times it's like that in relationships in life. People just decide they're going to make up their own rules. You know, if I want to sleep with a man and I'm a man, it shouldn't be a big deal. I'm not hurting anybody. That's my business. So those kinds, that kind of thinking goes on in this spirit of relativism that we live in. But then what happens? We violate these relationship laws and it's like walking into invisible walls and boom, we get a bloody nose And then we're like, what the heck just happened? And chances are you probably just violated one of the relationship laws that God built into the fabric of reality. And you cannot violate them without consequence no more than you can walk off the top of this building without consequence. 
It's just the way reality is. But if you don't have the right worldview, and you're out of sync with the way God created the world, life's going to be rough. And so it's very important during this series, this eight-week series, that we get into the Word of God and develop a world, develop a world, a word view, a biblical worldview. The third word in God's kingdom for this thing we call the word is rhema. Rhema means the revealed word. The Apostle Paul refers to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it's also, the whole Bible is it's, it's chock full of rhema. But rhema is when it's what Sandra did today. When she got up here and she gave that little testimony about the building. And, you know, visually... Based on what she could see and hear, it didn't look like it was going to go through for a moment. But then the Lord said, Sandra, didn't I already tell you? That little still small voice that she heard, that's an example of rhema. And every one of us can experience that. It's more than just reading words on a piece of paper. Anybody can do that. An atheist can read the Bible. But it takes the Spirit of God to reveal the significance of what you're reading to understand its relevance to you and to your life. And that's exciting when that happens. It's life-giving. I mean, there's nothing better than when I'm in the Word and I feel like God speaks to me personally. Because He knows what's relevant, and He knows how to speak to me, and He knows what my deepest need is. And when He does, it's life-giving, and life is different. So in summary, there are three words. The Bible talks about the written word, the living word, and the revealed word. And in order to develop a word view, in order to develop a biblical worldview, we need to have all three. It's not enough just to read the Bible, but not have the author of the Bible living on the inside of you. If that's the case, the Bible will just put you to sleep. I used to do that when I was a non-Christian. Some Christian was witnessing to me. He said, have you ever read the Bible? I said, no. He goes, you ought to read the Bible. It's amazing. And I'm like, really? Okay. So I read it. I'm like, man, this is boring. I'd fall asleep after 10 or 15 minutes of reading this thing. It's because I didn't have the Spirit of God, the living Word, living on the inside of me to help me understand the significance of what I was reading. I was, it, was just going, it was just going over my head. So we need all three. We need the written word. We need the living word on the inside of us. And we also need to hear him speak to us personally in the present, a word that's relevant to us. As I was preparing, I realized it's not enough just to say that you need all three. More importantly, we have to want all three. You have to want to hear from God. Because he gave you free will... He respects your free will. He's not going to kind of push himself into your life like a bully he, because he wants a love relationship. A love relationship is when it's mutual, when there's invitation, when there's desire. And he waits until we're ready and then he enters in and speaks and works in our lives. I was reminded of a movie by Denzel Washington. Anybody seen the movie Remember the Titans? One of my favorite movies. If you haven't seen it, it's about a high school football team. And they overcome um, 
racial division among themselves, and then they go on to play in the, in the, in the national championship. They go all the way to the national championship. And in this movie, there is a scene where um, they're celebrating yet another victory. They've been on a roll. I mean, they are just undefeated in their region. And so after a game, they're a night out on the town. They're having a good time. And so there's a group of them. And they decide they're going to go to this kind of uh, nightclub, bar, diner place. But it's in a white part of town. And some of these players are black players. And the one that's leading them is a white guy. And he goes, hey, come on, guys. I want to take you to this place. And he goes, hey, man, no, no we don't want to go in there. I mean, we, we know what that's about. You know, they're not going to let us go in there. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. It's all good. And the guy who's saying it's all good, he's kind of this uh, California dreamboat, flower child, long hair, but an amazing athlete. And he's just like, you know, in his nice little world, he's like, oh, no, it's all good. Come with me. So he, they're like, okay, you sure? you sure you know your town? Okay, so we go with you. They walk in, and the owner sees them, and he takes one look, and it's disapproval from the start. And he walks over to them, kind of tough like, you know, he goes, boys, this is my establishment. And I reserve the right to refuse service to anybody. And you boys want something to eat, you just go right on out back. And so they just kind of hang their heads and they go out the door. And when they get out the door, one of them pushes the white guy. Man, I told you. He goes, hey, what's your problem, man? He goes, I didn't know. And the guy says, forget you, man. And he starts walking away. And another friend, he goes, hey, give him some slack. He said he didn't know. And he, he turns around and real quick he goes, he didn't know? Bro, that's not the problem that he didn't know. The problem is he doesn't want to know. I thought, wow, that was so insightful. And sometimes we can be like that with problems in life. We know there's a problem, but we don't really want to face it. I'll give you an example from my own life. There's been a couple times my wife said, you need counseling. Which is ironic, because we do counseling. <laughs> and so, after three months, she goes, so did you call anybody to get help? And I'm like, no. <laughs> now I have to ask myself, do I really want help? Maybe I should say this disqualifier before I go on. Before your minds and imaginations start wandering, um, I don't beat my wife. <laughs> I like what Pastor Taylor said. He said, I don't do porn and I don't cuss, but I will reach my hand into the cookie jar. <laughs> yeah, sugar tends to be a, a temptation for me too. No, but on a serious note, um, the thing that I've been struggling with this week, as I mentioned, Monday morning, I woke up in a bad mood. And uh, God was just dealing with me about being judgmental. And I'd, I'd been struggling with that all my life. I know none of you deal with that, but that's been my struggle in life. And so, you know, there was a season about two months ago where I just felt like I wasn't right with God. And I just felt like I hadn't heard from him for a while. I wasn't experiencing his life-giving presence. And I was just, Lord, what is it? And sometimes he'll allow you to go through a dry time just to kind of cause you to press in and to seek him. You know, sometimes we can get in cruise control. We can relax. And we're not really seeking, but the Bible says, seek the Lord, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I began to seek the Lord, trying to figure out what is it, you know, what's missing? And struggling with these things about being judgmental and, 
tired of living that way and not finding the victory and the freedom and just off. And so I get to a point where just I'm really pressing into God and seeking him. And I'm reading through the book of Romans and I get to chapter 8. And this one verse became the rhema word, became the revealed word. And it says, the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. But the mind set on the sinful nature is death. And I thought, where has my mind been? And I realized I need to get refocused on just keeping my eyes on Jesus. And so that was just step one. Then I began to think, okay, what what does that mean, Lord? What does that look like? The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. What do I do with that? I came across another verse and another rhema word, another revealed word came to me. The mind set on the spirit is concerned about the things that concern Jesus. And I just felt so convicted at that point. I thought, man, I've been so self-focused. Everything about me. But the mind set on the spirit is concerned about what is it that pleases Jesus. And all of a sudden, I got out of that dark place that I was in. And began to think, God, what pleases you? What is it that you're concerned about? I was just open. I didn't know if he was going to reveal something to me that was global or just something in my little world. And he just reminded me that God's heart is to love people. And he just convicted me on the inside. You know, when I judge people, I'm not loving them. And then he brought another verse to my mind. See no man according to the flesh, that is according to the sinful nature, but see them according to Christ. My paraphrase, sometimes we look at people and we see the worst in them. We assume the worst in them. It's like, I know why he did that. Yeah. And we we have this attitude. And the Lord says, don't judge. I don't know. I don't know that person. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what the motivation is. Like Nita said last Sunday, reserve your judgment. It's only for God. And I just began to confess and repent. And I began to see people according to Christ, according to his image and his desire, his will, his destiny, his original design for them. What is the redeeming quality in that person? How can I see the gold in them and and the special gifts that God has given them, the strengths that he's given them? That's their identity. That's what I need to see. And I began to do that, and all of a sudden, my relationships with my wife, my kids, my friends, my church family, I began to be at peace inside. I was like, wow, thank God that he gives the written word, and he combines it with just revealing certain things that are appropriate and applicable at the time. And then most importantly, because he is the living word, living means The living word means it has inherent power in and of itself. It's one thing to know what's the right thing to do. It's another thing to be able to do it. And I just said, God, I've been living this way for 50 plus years. I said, I can't. I said, I need you to live in and through me and make me the kind of person you want me to be and to set me free. And God's been doing a new work in this recent season. I needed a reminder on Monday morning, (laughs) and every once in a while he gives us a tune-up. God is good. God is good. All of this 
is a way of saying to you, if you want to hear from God, if you want to hear from God, the answers are there. Spirit of truth can reveal it. The more you're into the written word, the better chance he can remind you of it. Although he can be sovereign and just download something, but you have a much better chance of being able to hear from God if you're in the written word. If you want to know, ask the living word to reveal it through the written word. And if you search with your whole heart, I guarantee you God is faithful and he will speak to you and he will meet you where you are. In recent years, one of my most common prayers is, God, would you give me knowledge and understanding? Because life is complex. I mean, there are so many issues, so many situations that present themselves. You're like, now what do I do? And so we need him. And so as we bring things to a close, I want to encourage you as we go, especially as we go through this series, to make Make an effort to be in the Word and to be in prayer and ask the living Word to reveal the significance of what you're reading so that it's not an academic exercise, it's not a striving, but it's life-giving and you enjoy it. And so to help us do that, I want to recommend something that we've been doing in the Leadership 215 class. Speaking of applications, it's an app. We can go to the next one. It's called Read Scripture. Looks like this. You can download it for free. That's the icon. It's a really cool app. It has these... They, they, um, what they did is they partnered with the Bible Project. If you've heard of the Bible Project, the Bible Project is a series of uh, very fast-moving animated drawings that help illustrate sections of the Bible. And it's very well put together. One of the best presentations I've ever seen to help you, in simple terms, understand what the Bible is all about. It's broken down the Bible into 16 parts. And as you get into each one of those parts, what you do is you just click on the day that you're doing your app. And it shows you a video. And they're short. They could be anywhere from three to seven minutes. And it gives you an overview of what you're about to read. And then you just continue to scroll through the app and it's all lined out for you. The verse that you're reading for that day is right there in in today's reading. And so you scroll down and you read through and sometimes it's maybe three chapters, sometimes it can be more. And then at the end, you usually read a psalm. And it's designed to help you spend some time in prayer and meditation and just focusing on God and connecting with Him as you read through the psalms. And in just 20 to 30 minutes a day, you can get through the entire Bible in a year. Now, that would be a great thing. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but a lot of people have not read through the Bible, the entire Bible, from cover to cover. And the Bible is full of wealth and treasure. 2 Timothy 3.16 said it's profitable for teaching to help us understand the things that we need to do in life so that we can live life better. And so I want to encourage us as we go through this series, download this app, read scripture, and you can change the settings and your preferences, whether or not you want to go at your own pace or you want to do a daily reading, and you just click on those settings and it sets you up and it gives you a reminder on your phone or your iPad or whatever it is every day and it just gets you going right into it. And
I would encourage you to do this. I heard this a long time ago, 30 years ago, from my pastor when I was in college. He said, find an activity that you enjoy doing and combine that with your time alone with God. And so in his case, he enjoys coffee. So he'd go to a coffee shop and he'd have his Bible and he'd, he'd spend some time reading the Word. And so you figure it out, whatever it is for you. For me, I like to work out and I get on the stairs and I'm going for 15 minutes and I got my phone right there and I'm watching the video with my earphones on and then I'm reading through the scripture. And before I know it, man, being on that stair thing, that used to be forever. I kept looking at the timer like, five more minutes, five more minutes. And now I look at the timer and I'm wow, I already passed my time 10 minutes ago. And so find whatever it is that you enjoy doing, going to the beach or whatever, and take your time alone with God and get into the word, and I guarantee you'll be blessed. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us to kind of figure things out by ourselves. God, I thank you that you've made it very clear in black and white in your word. And I thank you that you didn't leave us to try and interpret that and figure out, oh, Lord, what does this mean? But your life-giving spirit, your living word is on the inside of us to help us understand your mind and your heart. And so, God, I pray that as we take time in 2018 to seek you with all our heart, that you would meet us right where we are. God, I thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness. And Father, we just want to commit ourselves to you and ask that you would have your way in us and through us, that you would speak to us, that you would change us, and that you would make us the people that you designed us to be. And if you would keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I'd like to address another group of people here this morning as you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God. Perhaps that's been something that's been on your heart lately. In fact, you've been searching and sensing that God has been trying to get your attention. In fact, that's why you're here today. You're wanting to experience Him. And if you have never made a conscious choice, a, a, a formal decision, to say, God, I want to experience you. I want, to, I want you to come into my life. I want you to show yourself to me. If you, if you haven't made a conscious decision to do that, then I want to, and, and if that sounds like something you want to do, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. The most important thing is just the choice that you make. After that, it's just a matter of expressing your decision to God, which is what we call prayer. And we're going to do that in a moment. We're going to pray. I'll pray out loud. You can just pray along with me, and God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if this is something that you would like to do, then I invite you to go ahead and look up. And when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's something that you'd like to do, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we'll pray. Yes, I see you there. Anybody else? In the back? Okay, yes, I see you. And here, yes. Yes, I see you there. And in the back over there, yes, okay. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. Right here? Okay, very good. Okay, I see you. And here? Okay. Anybody over here? 
Yes, right there. Okay. Good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm here now. I know that you're here. You've been getting my attention for a while. And today I'm making a decision and I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to a relationship with you. And so I'm opening myself up to you. And I'm inviting you to come into my life. I receive your spirit into mine. And I ask that you would forgive me for anything I've done. Lord, you know. You know everything. And I ask that you forgive me for all the things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or to others. And most importantly, my relationship with you. I ask you to forgive me and I thank you for Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. And I accept his forgiveness and I accept Jesus. And I ask you to come into my life and forgive me. And I ask that you would give me a new start. Lord, life hasn't been going real well just by myself. And I need help. And so I ask that you would give me a new beginning and that you would show me your way, that you would give me a new way, a new start. And I ask that you would make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.